from where we're at, we've got about uh, three more chapters. And so we're, we're looking forward to what the Lord has to say to us as we work our way through, the, uh, through the, the book of Matthew. But we're in chapter 25 today. And the Bible says, starting in verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Now, if we remember, as we're going through Matthew 24 and uh, begun going through Matthew 25, that this, this, is, uh, this is Jesus speaking to, uh, to his disciples and to some of the Jews there and talking to them about some things that are going to be going on in the days, it was, it was in the days ahead from, wh- from where he, where he uh, was, uh, was speaking and all that. It was, it was the fu- some future events. But uh, this, uh, and some of the events that he spoke of are still things that are going to be taking place in the future. Uh, we talked about the, about the rapture. We talked about the tribulation and the millennial kingdom that Jesus is, uh, that Jesus is going to establish. But just as we've seen all through the book of Matthew, uh, the, the gospel writer here, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing this book to communicate a message to the Jewish people, to, to the nation of Israel, to reveal to them that Jesus is, in fact, Messiah. And so, he's, so they're writing this and, uh, and, and communicating this message to the Jews. But as Jesus goes through, as we go through the book of Matthew, we see Jesus referring to the kingdom of heaven. And again, as we've seen before, Matthew is the only gospel that we hear uh, the words, the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and we, we see a distinction that Jesus is drawing here. We, the kingdom of God is everything that God is, is in control of. It's everything that, that God is, is involved in, he's, he's uh, in charge of, which is basically everything. But, event, but the way that it's, that it's specifically speaking is of, uh, when, when we die and we go to heaven, we, we get to go to be with God in that realm where, where he, is, he is seen and He is over all. But the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom that Jesus is, is building and he will, he will establish and he will manifest when he comes to earth at the end of the, tribu- at the, end of the tribulation period and it will be established here for a thousand years. But he is building that kingdom right now. And you and I are part of that. And he's teaching us how he wants us to live and how he wants us to act, the things he wants us to do as we serve him in the kingdom. And we've seen that he's that he said that if we if we uh, if we're uh, uh, not believing in him, we're not part of the kingdom. We're not one of his servants. But but there are many who who are striving to be involved. They're they're trying to be religious. They may even come in and be in the. They may even come into the church, into churches here and there. And and uh, Jesus spoke a while back in in Matthew. He spoke of of the sower that went forth and sowed seed, but then the enemy came in and sowed tares. And the master said, don't pull it up now. He said, we'll sort it out in the end. And and so the the wheat, the the seed that was sown, uh, the good seed grew up and it was was wheat. The bad seed that grew up was tares, it was weeds, it was something uh, damaging and destructive. And and some have even said it's possibly even poisonous uh, to to consume. Uh, but, But all of it got sorted out in the end. And that's kind of the picture of what we're seeing, uh, what we see as we work through uh, the book of Matthew. We see that we see that the kingdom of heaven 
has people, has people that, that come and they, they present themselves as, as part of God's family, but they're really not. We saw that last week with the, with the, 12, uh, with the 10 virgins. Five were wise virgins and they, they not only had the lamp, the word of God, but they had the oil, the Holy Spirit. And they were able to, they, when the bridegroom came, they were able to go with him. Uh, but, but there were the five foolish who, who had their lamp. They had, they had the Bible, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They weren't truly saved. And so when the bridegroom came, they didn't get to go. And, and today, uh, the picture that we're seeing today is, is, not, is not this one of, of saved people and lost people. But rather, we're looking, at, we're looking at some servants in the kingdom. And these are, these are true servants in the kingdom of heaven. These are people who have a relationship with their master. These are people who, as we would say, these are people who are saved. But let's see what, let's see what the master says and how, how he interacts with them and what, uh, what the Lord has to say to us today. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. And surely our master uh, has traveled into a far country. Our Lord has traveled far away. He's gone, he's gone up to heaven, uh, but, uh, but he, has, he has not left us alone. The Bible says He's given us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to abide with us forever. But when Jesus went away, when Jesus went away, He stood there on the, on the mountainside and he, and he spoke to His disciples and He gave them a charge. He spoke to the church that he had, that he had called out from the world uh, and, and, and those who had, had yielded themselves to follow after him, those followers of Christ, and he gave them a charge. And here's what he did. He gave them responsibility. So point number one this morning, we see the responsibility that was given. We see responsibility. Matthew 25, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants. Notice, these are his own servants. He called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. He said, here is my treasure, and I'm going to give it to you. The things that I have, I'm going to give it to you. And unto one he gave five talents, unto another, uh, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Now, as, as we see here, uh, the, wise, the wise master, the, the, the owner of, of all of these things, he decided based upon, based upon the ability that he knew that each one of his servants had, he decided how much to bestow upon each one. And you know, our, our master has, has given us responsibility. And he never gives us more than he knows that he, through us, can manage. Amen? He never gives us more than he knows that he can entrust to us. So if we want, if we want greater things, uh, we'll, see, we'll see through the Word of God the way for, uh, to be entrusted with greater, uh, uh, with greater responsibility is to be faithful with what He's given. 
Many times people will, people will say, uh, people will try to, try to say this uh, as relates to money, but this is, this is not, uh, the, the practical application for this for us is not about money necessarily. Now it may be that God has entrusted some with money because he knows they, they can handle that. Maybe he's not entrusted me and you with a lot of money because he knows maybe we wouldn't be able to handle it, right? But God, uh, God knows what we need. And he knows what, what, we, what we can handle. And as we grow in faithfulness, he, he gives us more and more responsibility. And that, that happens in, in different areas of our life. Like I said, the practical application of this is not specifically related to, to finances. While he's giving us a picture here of a master giving his servants uh, some, uh, some amounts of money, a talent. A talent was, uh, was an amount of money weighing as much as, uh, they, uh, some, some have said it's as much as an average man could carry. One, uh, most commentators say that it's, it was about a year's wages. I read a couple of them that said it, it, it could have been as much as, as uh, 20 years' wages. So, uh, nevertheless, this master was bestowing upon his servants a lot of responsibility. Because one of those, he gave, he, he gave five talents. Another, he gave two talents. And another, he gave one. So even the one that he gave just one talent, he, gave, he entrusted him with a lot of money. He entrusted him with a lot of his goods. And, and this master knew what each one could handle. He knows what you and I can handle. Sometimes in ministry it seems that, uh, and, and not just in ministry, but in, in each of our lives, the, the responsibilities that we have in, in our own personal lives and our Christian lives and our families and our, uh, our workplace and this and that, uh, it seems that sometimes it, it gets to be too much, but God knows what we can handle. Now here's where we need to be careful. We don't need to put on ourselves more than God intended for us to manage. That's why we need to be walking closely with him to hear his heart and his mind, to get wisdom from him because he will give us peace in those things that he knows is his will for our life. But those things that are not his will for our life, he will caution you against that. The Holy Spirit will trouble your spirit and will, will not give you peace about that. But if we're not walking with him, we can't hear that still small voice. Amen? And so it's important for us to walk closely with Him. It, when, you're, when you have a, a decision to make, especially one that's a major decision in your life, a, a life-altering decision, you need to make sure you're walking closely with God. Because if you're not walking closely with God, what seems wonderful and what seems to be the best thing that you could ever do, if you're not walking closely with God, you may be deceived. And it may be the worst decision you'll ever make in your life. You may live the rest of your life in misery because you made the wrong decision when you were not walking closely with Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me say this. God does allow U-turns. Aren't you glad of that? That's what repentance is all about. 
turning in our hearts and, and minds and in and, and our lives, uh, turning to Him and, and saying, God, I'm sorry, I, I, I got out of your will. I was doing my own thing, and I'm sorry for that. He allows us to repent and turn back. Some decisions we make won't necessarily allow for those U-turns necessarily, but, but God, uh, God will take those, those bad situations, and He can still work it together and bring something beautiful out of it. He's able to take. I, I love. I love the fact that Jesus. That Jesus uh, would. Uh, he he would reach and uh, reach out and he would touch broken bodies and make them whole. He would. He would bring to life uh, those who were dead. He would change people's lives whenever he came in to their uh, in, into their life. Whenever he came into their home, they, they were changed forever. That's just the power of our Savior. Jesus, uh, Jesus gives us responsibility. Just as this master gave his, his servants responsibility. It says, Then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made, made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received, received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. These that had received five and, the, and two talents, they went out and they, and they invested it and they, they uh, went into business perhaps and they traded with those and, and made more money. They made some good investments and they, they were wise with it and they, and they doubled their master's, their master's investment. They doubled their master's money. They were wise stewards of what their master had invested in them and entrusted to them. But there was this one who took what his master had given him, and, and he didn't lose it, but he didn't do anything worthwhile with it. He just held on to it. And he went and digged and, and buried it in the earth. He didn't do what his master wanted him to do with it. Now our master has gone away. Jesus said to his disciples, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. The Holy Spirit is there as, we, as we're going and obeying Christ with the message of the gospel. Uh, the Holy Spirit is there doing a work in the hearts of the lost to reveal to them their sin. And he shows them their sin. And what is their sin? That they had not believed on him. And he convicts them of their sin. Of righteousness. Because I go to, the, to my Father and you see me no more. The Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness. What is that? He is working in our lives. Saying, this is what is right. He convicts us and shows us what is right for us to do. Because we don't see Jesus with our physical eyes like the disciples had the privilege of seeing. They were able for three and a half years to walk with him and to look at him and to see the things that he was doing. To listen to the way that he talked. And they were able to mimic that in their own lives. They were able to, to follow him closely and his attributes and his characteristics and his habits and, and all that. That was able to become part of their life. And you know I find that the people we spend time around are the ones we become like. Some, someone said nearness is likeness. That's why it's so important that you be careful who you hang around. 
that it's important that we spend a lot of time with our, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's why it's important for us to have a close walk with the Holy Spirit so that He is communicating in us and communicating through us and helping us to live a life that's pleasing unto, unto God. We want to honor the Lord with our lives. And the way to do that is to reflect Jesus Christ, is to walk closely with Him and to reflect His attributes and His characteristics in our lives as best as we can. The Holy Spirit is there to convict us of righteousness, to show us those things that are right to do. Then he says of, God, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Now, I, I think that uh, uh, years ago, years ago, I believe that the, the most popular Bible verse was perhaps, The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. After some time, perhaps it was John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I believe anymore that it's gotten to be the verse that says, Judge not. Amen? People say, The Bible says, Judge not. You're not supposed to judge. They'll say, Only God can judge me. And you know, that would make me tremble. Amen? And yes, it is true that God is our judge. God does judge. And, and we will stand before Him one day, and we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But, but we need to understand that God, that God has given us discernment. What many times people call judging is nothing more than just using discernment. If you see a, if you see a tree that, that, uh, is, uh, that has a bunch of, of little orange uh, balls of fruit on there, you've got a pretty good idea that that's an orange tree. How ridiculous would it be if someone, if you say, wow, look at all the oranges on that orange tree. How ridiculous would it be for someone standing by to say, do you have a degree in, in agriculture? What makes you qualified to determine that that's an orange tree? No, you can we know what oranges look like, right? And I'll tell you, the world knows what a Christian ought to look like. The world knows what a Christian ought to act like. They, they really do. And we need to show them. But we need to go beyond what they expect and show them really what Jesus is like. Amen? We have a responsibility to show the world what Jesus is truly like. And, and, and realize, realize that the prince of this world is just... Satan and all his forces, they may fight against us, but we have victory in Jesus because Satan is already defeated. He is already judged. He's already been found guilty. And one day his sentence will be carried out. Amen? Hey, we, we, know, that, we know that we have victory in Jesus and we can just live this life in peace and assurance, in boldness and in confidence knowing that we have the victory and we can live for Jesus Christ because Satan has been defeated. The prince of this world is judged. Amen? Amen. I'm glad that, I'm glad that Satan is already judged. I'm glad that he's already defeated. He goes on and says... I've yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. Now notice this, he shall not speak of himself. You need to be careful about a lot of these, a lot of these groups that, that, that make so much of the Holy Spirit and they minimize the word of God. And they make so much of your experience 
and they say that, it, that this, this feeling and this experience was the Holy Spirit when it's contrary to what the Word of God says. We need to be careful about that because when they make so much of the Holy Spirit or they say it's the Holy Spirit, but it's not in, in, in uh, agreement with the Word of God, it is a spirit for sure, but it's not the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is going to do is He is going to, first and foremost, He is going to uplift Jesus. Notice He says here, He, he said, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. He's not going to brag on himself. He's not going to make a bunch of himself. But he said, but whatsoever he, uh, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He says the Holy Spirit is going to make much of Jesus. Amen? And, and you and I, as we follow the Holy Spirit, our lives should make much of Jesus. We should magnify Him. How do we do that? He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He's given us the responsibility to grow and to, uh, to grow in our, our uh, Christian lives, to grow in our reflection of Jesus Christ. We do that by following the Holy Spirit as He is guiding us into all truth. He's given us the word of truth. He's given us His word. He's given us His spirit that guides us. And, and as we live this life, that is going to, that's going to show forth the most by going and telling others about Jesus Christ. Going and being a witness, going uh, to, your, uh, to your co-workers, going to your neighbors, going to, uh, to those that you meet at, at the store and telling them about Jesus Christ, sharing Christ with them. That is, the, that is the best way that you and I can reflect Jesus Christ. Because how can you show your love for someone any more than by showing them how they can have eternal life and not have to go to hell? There's a comedian... Uh, who, who professes to be an atheist. He, he, said, he said some time ago that, that, he, that somebody came up to him and gave him a gospel track and a, and, a, and a little New Testament. And he said, I got to thinking about that. And, and as I thought about it, uh, he, he said, even though I take, a, I take a, a hard stand saying I don't believe any of that, he said, this man cared enough to confront me, to give me this pamphlet that tells me about, about his, his God and about his Jesus and about salvation, and to give me this little Bible. He said, knowing that I, could, I would probably, in the midst of a big crowd, I would probably take that opportunity to berate him and to criticize him and belittle him for what he did. He said, but I didn't do that. He said, I appreciated what he did. He said, because here's the thing. He said, here's my question for you who say that you're Christian. He said, if you really believe that your God is real, if you really believe that heaven is real, if you really believe that, that uh, hell is real and that people really go there and they'll really stay there for eternity, and you really believe that Jesus will forgive them and just give them eternal life so they don't have to go to hell? He said, how badly do you have to hate somebody not to tell them? As a believer in Jesus Christ, that convicted me. Here's an atheist preaching a message that we all need to hear. How badly do you have to hate somebody not to tell them? 
the truth that will set them free, the truth that will give them eternal life, the message that Jesus, that Jesus loves everybody and wants everybody to be saved, that Jesus invites everybody to come to him. And, and, he, and he doesn't say, if you do this, 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 and this, then maybe I'll, I'll set up an appointment to meet with you sometime and we'll talk about maybe you being saved. No, he said, come unto me. He said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Paul said, uh, Paul said uh, I, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In another place, he said, he, he said, Christ, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Jesus Christ came to save everybody. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus wants everybody saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so when he went away, he gave the responsibility to the church to take this treasure, this treasure of the gospel, and, and what a great treasure it is. And we are to take this treasure, and we're to go, and we're to share it a little bit here, and we're to share it a little bit there, and we're to share it everywhere we go, investing in people's lives with the gospel, trying to see as many saved as we possibly can. Now, it's not our job to save them, but it is our job to tell them. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, what a great treasure it is. But we carry this treasure in these earthen vessels. I don't understand why God would have such a, a great treasure entrusted to such fallen and faulty people such as we are. But He did. That's what He chose to do. And I believe the reason might be because he wanted, he, wanted to show, he wanted to show everybody His grace by choosing to save broken people like me and you. And showing the world that if He'll save us, He'll save anybody. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's not of us. Notice takeaway one, our effectiveness in gospel ministry is increased when we yield to the Holy Spirit in the details of our daily lives. As we go throughout our daily life, uh, being, having been entrusted with this treasure, we, we need to go through our daily life and make sure we manage it right in the details. You know, many times businesses rise and fall because of the management of the details, the little things. We, as, as stewards of the gospel, we are responsible to wisely manage what has been entrusted to us. And we wisely manage as we yield to the Holy Spirit in the details of our lives. Because it's important how we act, how we react, how we speak. It's not, it's not only important what we say, but it's important how we say it. Because you, you never know but that your neighbor might hear you saying something or the person there at the store might hear you saying something and then God gives you an opportunity in just a few minutes to witness to them. And how have your, has your testimony so far presented you to them? Are you going to be able to truly be a good witness to them? We need to obey in the details of our lives. We see the responsibility and what a great responsibility it is that we've been entrusted with 
But then we see the rewards. Secondly, we see the rewards. Verse 19 says, After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. The Lord of those servants came and he, and he called them to account, to give account for what, uh, for what they had done with what he had given them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two uh, uh, other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Jesus Christ has entrusted us with, with the gospel. He's entrusted us with opportunities. He's entrusted us with ministries, with, in, with areas of influence. And we need to manage those wisely through the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that we are, we are doing gospel ministry in every area of our life so that when He comes and we stand before Him and give account on that day, I want to be able to say, Lord, this is what You gave me. And Lord, this is what I did with it. These are ones that I brought to you. These are ones that I told about you. These are the ones that I presented Jesus Christ to. And they trusted him as their Savior. Lord, uh, Lord you did this for me. And this is what I've, tr- I've tried to do for you. Now we'll never do, we'll never do for him as much as he, as exactly all that he's done for us. Notice these were already his servants. We can never repay him for, for letting us be his servants. But the things that he's entrusted us with, the responsibilities he's given, we can, we can serve to the fullest. Now, we, we've got a couple of options. We can sit around and we can, we can uh, be lazy uh, about it. We can, uh, we can get comfortable in this world and, or, or we can be busy about the gospel. We can humble ourselves to God and seek Him in His Word each day and say, Lord, how do I need to change to be a better reflection of You? Not, not, saying, not saying, well, you know, uh, Philip, those things are good, but this is just how I am. I've always been this way. I've, I've always had these habits, and, and I'm, not, I'm not really one that changes. I'm just me. We can do that. And we can go through life not being effective for Jesus Christ. Actually, will be, uh, will be a, a detriment to the gospel. Because the power of God is available to change our lives. But if we're not yielding to that power, it will not change our lives. He's not going to force himself on you. But if you will come to him and say, Lord, I know I'm broken. I know I'm feeble. I know this is what I am. But Lord, I want to be a better reflection of you. Lord, take me and change me. You know what he'll do? He'll change you. He'll change you in those ways that you think are just impossible. He'll he'll help you have victory in those areas that you think, I'll never get over these things. God will give you that victory if you'll come to Him in humility, yielding to Him. Don't make excuses for it. In, in, in the foreword of the book, The Calvary Road, uh, the, the guy who wrote the foreword, I believe his name was Norman Grubb, I think is his name. He, he, said, he said, the blood of Christ does not cleanse excuses, only sin. You can't, you can't just make excuse after excuse for the sin and God, and God cleanse it. No, we have to come humbly confessing our sin. And confession is not just saying, yeah, I did it. There are many people that have done wrong and said, yeah, I did it. 
But that's not repentance. Confessing our sin is agreeing with God about our sin. And when we confess our sin, we agree with God about it. And not only do we agree that it was wrong, but we agree with God that I shouldn't be doing this and I don't want to do it anymore. That's what true repentance is all about. And and it's time for the people of God to repent of our sin. To repent of the sin that we've gotten comfortable with. To repent of the sin that we've allowed to continue in our lives. We cannot expect the world to turn to Christ if we will not repent of our sin. We need to repent. Because we're going to stand before God one day and give an account for the things that we've done. And I want to encourage you to be busy about the things of God. Yielding to Him for Him to do His work in you and to do His work through you so that we can, we can stand before God one day having, having led many people to Jesus Christ. The, the, call, the call to reach Pasadena with the gospel is not a call that lies solely on my shoulders as pastor of this church, but it lies on the shoulders of every believer in Jesus Christ that is in Pasadena. We have a responsibility to shine the light. We have a responsibility to go through our neighborhoods, to go to our family, our friends, and present the gospel and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And When we stand before Him, There'll be such rewards. He'll reward us for the things that we've done. I'm looking forward to that. What is our motivation? What is our motivation here? Uh, uh, we, we want the rewards for sure. I, I, wanna, I, want, I, I like rewards. I want all the rewards. I, I, I use a rewards credit card. I, I, try to, I try to, in everything that I can, I try to earn rewards for it so I can glean the benefit of that in other, other ways, you know. I, but when you use a credit card, make sure you pay it off each month. You don't want to be paying interest. That's a trap. You don't, anyway, but uh, uh, that's just a little free nugget I'll throw in there. But, uh, but I, I like rewards. But what better rewards can we get than rewards that are given to us from God himself? Amen? If there are rewards available, I want those. Not because I'm, I'm so greedy, but because I want him to be able to place them at his feet because he's the one that deserves them. I have nothing that I can give him. But if he's going to give me something that I can give back to him, yeah, I want it. Amen? I want to I give him all those rewards. The Bible says we'll cast those crowns at his feet. The, Psalm, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Apostle Paul rather said in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 5, he said, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. See, our motivation for reaching people with the gospel, yeah, I want those rewards, but our main motivation is the love of Christ. It's not, it's not this feeling, well, I better get out there. No. I look at what he's done for me. I, I, to be honest, I feel like he's given me at least five, five of these talents. Look at all that he's done for me. Whoa. Jesus, you've been amazing giving me all of this. You've, you've been wonderful blessing me like this. And, and I, I look at all that he's done for me and I just, I want everybody to know him. I want everybody to know about my Jesus. I see his love for me as it's manifest in all the different ways, even the little areas of my life, the little details where he just, where he just kind of drops a little handful and says, yeah, I love you. I want you to remember I love you. Hey, even, even th- during the discouraging times, even during the tough times of life, uh, to have the peace that, the, that only the Holy Spirit gives, to experience that peace, it's just another way that Jesus says, you know what, 
I love you. Amen. Hey, I'm glad for those ways, all those wonderful ways for Jesus to say, I love you. And it's that love that constrains me. It's that love that ought to constrain us to go and to share the gospel. Hey, if one died for all, then then all were dead. Hey, everybody was dead in our trespasses and sins. But he died for all so that all could live. Amen. Oh, what love. What love motivated him. And what love ought to motivate us. Romans 14 says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's not for us to look around and say, Well, they're they're not doing a whole lot, and and I'm doing more than she is, and I'm doing more than he is, and and, oh, oh, that one's doing a little more than this. So I better work harder to do better than them. No, it's not what it's all about. It's the love of Christ constraineth us. It's not, it's not trying to be better than somebody else. That's, that's just like the disciples who were, when Jesus was telling them, I'm about to go die on the cross for your sins. And they're saying, which one of us is going to be greatest? How silly, how immature, how carnal. We look at what Christ has done for us and we say, oh Lord, I just, I love you. This is what I want to do for you. It's not which one of us is better. No. It's the love of Christ that constrains us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Further foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The Bible says our works are going to be tried when we, that we will all stand before Jesus Christ. We will all give account to God for the things that we've done, and the, the judgment is going to it's going to break it down to the to the very basics that judgment day it's going to break it all down and expose what's really there because we're real good about painting ourselves up and painting our deeds up and making it look so wonderful when all it is in essence is just an act of pride because we want people to think highly of us don't we oh may our may our motivation be the love of Christ and not not the love of ourselves. May our motivation to serve Him be, I love Him because He first loved me. And I just want to live my life for Him. May it never be, may it never be, I'm doing this because I want people to see me. And I want people to, to think that I'm so spiritual. Never should pride be our motivator. Never should self be our motivator. Never should guilt be our motivator. Never should, uh, should uh, uh, n- even necessity like I got to do it be our motivation. Our motivation for serving Christ should always, always, always be the love of Christ. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's our job to go and to preach the gospel to everyone we possibly can. To tell them about what Jesus has done for us and what he will do for them. They'll just believe him and receive his gift. Look at takeaway number two. Those who have yielded to Christ have been used by him to accomplish his purpose and will be rewarded accordingly. See, when it's not about you and it's all about him, that's a tool he can use. And he'll take your life and he will use you 
to reach people for Him. And as He uses you to reach people for Him, He will turn around and bless you for, for that accomplishment. When you stand before God, He's going to reward you for the work that He did, but you yielded to Him for Him to do the work through you. It's, it's mind-boggling. But what an, amazing, what an amazing Savior He is. He rewards us for the work that He does. That's why when we stand before Him and He gives us these rewards, that's why we'll fall on our faces before Him and cast the crowns at His feet. Not because, not because we have to, but because we want to. We want to show Him the reverence and the honor that He deserves. Casting those crowns at His feet. Those who have yielded to Christ have been used by Him to accomplish His purpose and will be rewarded accordingly. Then finally, we see number three, not only the responsibility and the rewards, but we see regrets. The first two had been entrusted with five talents and two talents, respectively. But then there was this guy that had been given one. And as we, as we think about it, you know, five and two compared to one, that's not a whole lot. But as we see what a talent is, as we think about what a talent is, it's still a lot. He's been blessed far more than he does. He was just a servant. And the, and the master made him responsible. He gave him, a, gave him authority, gave him some responsibility. But what did he do with it? He buried it. And many of us have have taken what God has entrusted us with. We've taken, we've received the gospel. We've received his gift of salvation. We've received the, the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We know what we're supposed to do, but we bury it. The Bible says he digged. He went and digged in the earth and buried it. He didn't want to, he didn't want to stand out. He didn't want to, he didn't want to, you know, make any waves he, he didn't want anybody to think differently about him he buried it in the earth and often we will bury our our gifts our talents our responsibility we'll bury it in the world we get involved in worldly things we just blend in with the world we don't we don't share the gospel we don't go and uh, if somebody says something about jesus we love jesus you know we'll go to church but we're not we're not living the life to show what Jesus has done. We're not telling people what Jesus can do for them. And if we do, we tell them that He has the power to set them free, but then we go on living the life that we've lived before and not living in freedom. We've buried our talent in the world. We've buried our responsibility in the world to just blend in. Because we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable and we don't want them to think badly of us. But you know what? The world truly, truly, the world appreciates a Christian who is truly a Christian. Because the world is looking for somebody that cares enough to show them the difference. They're all looking for something to satisfy the emptiness in their lives. And that something is not just, it's not a thing, it's someone. And that someone is Jesus. 
And if you are saved, you know Jesus and you know what he can do. You, you know from his word what he wants to do. So let's not have our talent buried. Let's not bury our responsibility in the earth. But let's, let's take it and invest it in people. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming and he could come at any moment. He could come at any time. And there's nothing on, the, prophet, on the, the prophetical calendar that must happen before Jesus comes back and takes the church to be with him. The next, the next event is the rapture of the church. So he could come back at any time. He, at an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord... I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast that is thine. He said, I know that you're hard. You're, you're uh, one, one of the gospel writers uses the word austere. You're an austere man. You're a hard man. You, you reap where you haven't sown. And, and you, you take... Basically saying, you take advantage of people. You just get people to get them under your thumb and control them. I know you're hard. But you know what this says? This shows a man that while he was a servant, he didn't, he, he was the servant. He was, in, in our language we'd say, he was a child of God. In, in our context rather. He was a child of God. But he didn't really know him. He had a relationship, but he had no fellowship. There are too many, too many churches across our land that present God as an, as an angry, angry ogre that's just ready to beat people up and ready to smash them when they do wrong. That's not what he's all about. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, uh, for love is of God, and every, uh, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God, yes, God is holy. Yes, God expects holiness. But God is love. God is not hard. God is not mean. God is not hateful. He doesn't take advantage of people. He gives and gives and gives. I think I said it last week. All of creation is a testimony of His love and His goodness. Because He didn't have to make anything. But He did because He wanted fellowship with us. He, he made a place for us and placed us here. All of this is because of his love for us. The servant had a relationship, but he had no fellowship. He didn't take the time to really get to know his master. And so he saw... Maybe he saw a few verses here and there about the judgment of God and just expected, yeah, God's mean. God's hard. God's hateful. I can never live up to his, his expectations. So you know what? Fooey on it all. I'm saved. I'll get there after I'll get I'll get there when I die. So that's enough for me. And you know what? Sadly, that's the way a lot of believers live. I can't live up to it. I'm going to get to heaven, so 
I'll just do my own thing. And that's how we'd live. I pray that that's not the way that you're living. I pray that that's not your approach. Let's look what happened. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. He said, he said, if you know so much about me, you should have at least put my money in the bank where I could have gotten interest. If you know so much about me, if that's the way that I am, if you had an ounce of wisdom, you would have at least put it in the bank to get some, get some interest on it. The fact was he didn't really know him. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him that hath ten, which hath ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And some have taken this to say, well see... People lose their salvation, but that's not what this is saying. He's saying, take him, take him to the outer darkness, for there, in that outer darkness, is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's the picture. Judgment day. We're standing before Jesus Christ, giving account for the things that we've done. And if we've not, if we've not served him like we should, if we've not kept our responsibilities the way that He wants us to, the way that He's told us to do, to do, the way that the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, then on that day, those of us, uh, and I, I, ho I hope none of us here, but those who have buried their talent, buried their responsibility in the world, blended in with the world, are going to be taken to this place of outer darkness, and you get to look and see the weeping, the gnashing of teeth, the suffering of those that you could have reached with the gospel. I tell you, there's nothing more agonizing than to see someone that you love, someone that you could have saved from suffering, to watch them suffer. And in that moment, you will be gnashing teeth. Crying out. Oh, I wish I could have done. I wish I would have done something. I wish there was something I could do now. Oh, if I had only just one more chance, I'd go and tell them. Oh, I would. I believe that on Judgment Day, God is going to let us see the ones we could have reached. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's why after the judgment... After the judgment when the lost are cast into the lake of fire. That's when the Bible says. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. It's not that we go to hell because we didn't, we didn't do something. If we're saved we're going to heaven. We're not going to go to hell. But all those who are not saved they will go to hell. And we will, we will be broken hearted. We will cry. We will weep. And we'll, we will uh, agonize for the, uh, over, over the fact that there are many that we could have reached. If we had not buried our talent. 
if we had not been busy about our own plans and priorities. But if we'll, hey, but church, if we will take what God has entrusted us with and we will give our lives to live for Him and go out and serve Him, go and, hey, and, and, and all it is is reflecting Christ in everything we do. Jesus went around doing good. Jesus loved people. Jesus uh, was, was good to people. Jesus helped people. And, and we, we want to we show that character. Jesus never reacted in a wrong way. Jesus was peaceable to all. He was called a friend of publicans and sinners. And if we will demonstrate that in our lives and, and go beyond that and share the grace of God and the goodness of God and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, hey, we will see many saved. It's not that you have to wake up in the morning and put on a tie and grab a Bible and a, and a, a box of gospel tracts and go out and, and, and talk to people till you're blue in the face and make sure that everybody, everybody's safe. No, that's, that's, I mean, if, if that's what God calls you to do, then do it. Be a witness to everybody. God has put us here as sheep in the midst of wolves. He's called us to go into the, into the world. We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we are supposed to be a light in this dark world. Shining the light of the gospel. Showing the grace of God. Showing them that Jesus Christ will change them and get them, uh, give them eternal life. And set them free from sin. Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In one, one verse, he said, he said, the love of Christ constraineth me. In another verse, he said, the, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. See, it's the love of Christ that, that constrains me and motivates me to go. Because I know that he loves them. And I know that it's a, it's a terrifying thing for them to stand before him on judgment day. And because of his love for me and his love for them, I want to love them the way that I should so that they never have to face the terror of standing before the Lord at the great white throne judgment. Get takeaway number three. The believer who does not take time to truly get to know the Savior will inevitably be motivated by guilt or fear serve out of duty instead of delight, and miss out on the blessing of reaching people with the goodness of Jesus Christ. Jesus is good. Jesus is wonderful. Has He changed your life? When, when we look back on our lives and see where we were when Jesus found us, when we see where we were when He saved us, and to see how far He's brought us, to see the things that He's done in our lives, how He's made us a new creature in Christ. Do you love Him? You see His power at work, and if He'll do that for you, don't you know somebody that He'll do that for? If you'll just go and tell them about Jesus, why don't you go and tell them? Maybe today, maybe this week, go and tell them. Because Jesus is coming. Let's not bury our, our responsibility, but let's be busy with it, going and taking that treasure in these earthen vessels and sowing the seed here and sowing the seed there and telling others what Jesus Christ will do for them. Let's all bow our heads for prayer. Jesus said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man 
can work. The time is coming when we will not be able to share the gospel any longer. And I pray that we will make ourselves busy about our master's business. Going out and sharing the gospel everywhere we can. I pray that today, those of us who are, who are believers, that, we'll, that we will say, I am going to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I am going to do what God has called us, the church, and us as individual believers to do. And that is to go to the world and, and, and be a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm going to be busy doing that. Hey, if, if, if you'll commit to that. If you'll say, today I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to commit my life to being a witness for Jesus. Maybe you've committed yourself before, but you say, I want to recommit myself today. I, here's what I want to ask us to do. Let's all stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. And if you're, going to, if you're going to say, I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I want to fulfill the responsibility that God has given me. I don't want to bury my talent. Will you come and join me here at the altar? And let's commit ourselves to God. Let's commit ourselves as a church, as a church family, to being, to being busy about our master's business, to going and, and sharing the gospel with as many as we possibly can. Would you come? Would you join me? Hey, and, and here's the thing. I know you don't have to be here at the front. You don't have to be kneeling to make a commitment to God. You can do it there, there where you're at. Maybe you're, physically in, uh, uh, maybe you're physically unable to come down here and kneel. Hey, but you, right where you're at, I want to encourage you to make this commitment to God. That you're going to take what Jesus has given you, and you're going to go tell somebody about it. You're going to go share that message of Jesus Christ. So that when we stand before Him, we'll hear Him say, well done. Notice they were servants, but He rewarded them and they became rulers. Will you be busy about our Father's business? Will you be busy serving Jesus Christ? Telling the world about a Savior who loves them and will deliver them from their sins if they'll trust Him as their Savior.